Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, happy Father's Day, dads. Yeah, I'm thrilled too. And uh, it's uh, kind of a big day if you're a dad. Apparently not that big, but, uh, but it's a fun day. And we celebrate uh, so many things about our, our dads, our history, the way they affect us. I was actually, I was talking with my neighbor. Um, he's married to an x-ray technician. And they actually met because uh, he was a patient of hers. I'm still not sure what she saw in him. Did you get it? X-ray technique, yeah. We were, we were out in the yard talking and he said that they're gonna have to get somebody different to, uh, to mow the grass because the kid that's been doing it just isn't cutting it. You get it? Their daughter, their daughter has been going out with the goalie of the high school soccer team. He's a keeper. Do you know what those are? Those are dad jokes. Yeah, you got it, right? They're dad jokes. I make it look easy. It's a real skill. This is a real skill. And that's part of kind of just being a dad. Like, I don't know what it is, but it seems like dads, as you get older, your humor gets punnier, doesn't it? Like, it's a gift. And I don't think our families recognize what a great gift that is from the Lord. Uh, And although today is not just about dad jokes and not just about dads, the message that we're gonna look at today from 2 Chronicles 26, we're going Old Testament today. The message we're gonna look at um, is one that I think specifically applies to those of you who are grandfathers, those of you who are fathers, those of you who are are soon to be fathers. I, I think that this message has real application there. It's truths for all of us but something for us to really consider if you are in that season of life. Next week, we're gonna wrap up this series that we've been in called Family Tree, and we've been looking at the, the, the heritage, the lineage, the genealogy, if you will, that Matthew gives us right first thing out of the gate in his gospel. Matthew chapter one, he shows us Jesus' family tree. And the part that we've kind of left off at is starting with King David in verse six of Matthew chapter one. And I'm not gonna take the time to read six through 11 because it's just name after name after name after name of 15 different kings of Israel or Judah. Jesus came from a family of kings and he proves that he is the king of kings through this genealogy, and it's interesting, and each one of them is a fascinating, fascinating story. And at one point I thought, well, maybe we'll do a deep dive into these different kings and kind of look at each one of their stories and idiosyncrasies and quirks and lessons and things we can learn, and then I realized it was Father's Day and you're gonna be hungry. So instead of doing that kind of a deep dive into 15 different kings, I said to myself, how, how do we learn from the lives of these individuals? Because some of them were great kings. Some of them are celebrated for what they did, for how they served the Lord. And some of them, not so much. Some of them are just bad dudes. And it doesn't always make sense because you can have a, a great king who served God and then their, their son follow up and be this really just kind of out there evil individual and you go, how does this make sense? And I thought, how do you know if a king's gonna succeed or not? Like Because anytime you see in the book of Proverbs in particular the word king, I think it's helpful for us to think of that in the sense of a leader. 
Because whatever principle is given there about a king, that's a leadership principle. And wherever you lead, whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, there's somewhere where God has given you influence. And if he's given you influence, you're a leader in that place. You say, well, I, I'm, just a, I'm just a parent. <laughs> that's the most important leadership role I think you can have. Whatever it is, wherever you find yourself, in that leadership role, we can learn lessons. So what do we learn about being a king? Well, Solomon, who's probably the, the most uh, famous king that we have in scripture outside of David and what he built in that kingdom of Israel, he's referred to as the wisest man who ever lived. Solomon gives us a little insight into what it means to be a king. In Proverbs chapter 20, verse 28, he says, now there's a lot that scripture says, especially the book of Proverbs, about being a king about having authority, about how you speak, about how you judge, about how you lead. But look at this little secret that's tucked in here. Love and faithfulness keep a king safe. Through love, his throne is made secure. That verse isn't about his authority. That verse isn't about the king's power. That verse is about what makes the kingdom work. And he says this, that love and faithfulness keep a king safe. Through love, his throne is made secure. Why is this so important? Because whether you realize it or not, especially those of you that are in a season of life where you're a parent or you're a grandparent, you are in one way or another a king or a queen leading in the season and the place where you are. And in that place, the people that you influence, the, the opportunities that you have to speak life and to lead and to mold and to shape. In that place, there are a lot of challenges that come to you, queen and king, and the kingdom that you're in. I have this really unique vantage point because from, from the role that, that God has entrusted to me, from the place where I lead, I kind of get a bird's eye look at a lot of things that are going on in a lot of people's lives. So as a result, sometimes my heart just kind of is really grieved for what's happening in the, the kingdoms in some of your homes, if you will. Both inside and outside of the church, the number of couples that I have heard say recently, look, if something doesn't change, this isn't gonna work. If she doesn't change, if he doesn't change, if something different doesn't happen, if, if we don't figure this out, this marriage is never gonna last. The reality is that in a, in a room this size and the audience that's watching this message in one way or another, there's bound to be someone who currently is considering or currently in a relationship that is outside of extramarital to the covenant vows that you made to your spouse. And that's not even considering the issue of pornography which is an epidemic and has touched all of us in somewhere, and I mean, literally in our congregation. We've we felt that recently. And then there's those that struggle with issues with depression or drugs or alcohol, not to even mention anger. And how when our emotional responses go outside of what God would maybe desire for us, especially in the home, the impact that that can have in places. And if we really looked at statistics about abuse and how it happens, not just physically, but emotionally, spiritually, verbally, within homes of people that we probably know, I think we'd be shocked. So the reality is, if we think it's easy 
leading in our families today, would you agree with me that it's not? So if scripture gives to us some wisdom about how to do that in a way that will keep us safe and secure, I wanna hear what it says. And scripture says to those of us who are leading, especially in our homes, that there are two key important components for us to keep in mind as we think about this. And so today, we're, we're gonna look at this idea of love and faithfulness, how they work in our lives, how they impact our families, how they make a difference in our church. These, these are the things that, that Solomon says, if you wanna build a kingdom that is kept safe, it's interesting because he kind of personifies those things. It's as if love and faithfulness stand by the king and stand guard, that when you live with love and faithfulness, it protects you, that love keeps your throne secure. It keeps it not just safe, but when he says secure, he means supported, upheld, that God provides for the ones who live in love. And and these words, love and faithfulness, they're really interesting because we don't have a really good English equivalent for them and how they're translated in the Hebrew. Like love is this kind of generic word for us, right? You love a person and you love pizza. Anybody love pizza, right? So we use the word in the same way. What do we mean here? Well, it's a Hebrew word, H-E-S-E-D, chesed. And kind of one definition of it is this. Chesed, that love is the pledged love of those who are in covenant. It's not just an emotional feeling. It's also not a, a contract or an agreement. It's a covenant which runs much, much deeper. A covenant is when you have this, again, not just a legal contract in marriage, but you have, you enter into a covenant in marriage where you are totally committed to that other person. It is an aspect of loyalty, fidelity, kindness, respect, mutual love. We know this idea of covenant largely from the idea of what God has given to us. He gave a covenant to Abraham. He gave a covenant to Noah. He gave a covenant to David. And he gave a covenant to us. And we have this very special relationship. You also enter into a covenant with your spouse. Do you not? Isn't that what the whole marriage ceremony is about? It's not just signing a piece of paper. It's when you say before God, I I enter into this covenant with you. I commit myself to you. It's different. It's deeper If you're a parent, you have a covenantal relationship, something more more binding, more powerful than just a normal friendship or interaction with those that are in your family. Even within the church, as the body of Christ, we have this kind of covenantal relationship with each other. And this idea is so powerful that there is this love, this commitment, this loyalty that the king has, a covenantal relationship to those that he leads He looks out for what's best for them. When he asks for love and faithfulness, it's not because he wants it from them, it's that he has covenanted to give it to them. And that when he does, it allows his kingdom to be safe and secure, which just to be honest, that's what I want for my family. That's what I want for the places where I live. So what does this look like to have this? Here's what I wanna do for the next few moments if, if if you'll track with me. I wanna go back to the genealogy of Jesus and I wanna look at one individual. We're we're gonna do a case study today on these ideas of love and faithfulness. And we're gonna look at a king named Uzziah. His story is what we're gonna look at in 2 Chronicles chapter 26. And we're gonna make him our case study today of someone who lived out love and faithfulness 
of the difference that it made in his life and in his kingdom, and then what happened when he didn't. And we're gonna look at this story today in the life of Uzziah, and uh, we find him in the genealogy of Jesus. We're also gonna find him in his full story here in Matthew, or excuse me, in 2 Chronicles chapter 26. And here's what I wanna show you today, if you will, if we kind of plot this out just a little bit. Maybe you've seen a, a graph or a diagram like this at some point, maybe in the business world, where somebody talks about the life cycle of an individual or of an organization, and uh, they, they kind of plot it out and chart it out, where it kind of starts over here, and then you see it increase and rise, and then eventually you see the decline of that same story, and they, they might refer to it as the life cycle of an institution or an organization. Anybody ever seen a chart like that before? There are people doing a bunch of, raise your hand if you've ever seen it, because that's, that's great. And online, you can raise it too, that way I'll know. Okay, so, so that's what we're gonna look at today. We're gonna take Uzziah's life and kind of look at it, the life cycle of a leader and of a king and look at his story and how it applies to ours. Uh, let, let's start by considering it this way. I wanna first talk about the rise of a king and how his life began and what we see as God brings favor and blessing into his life as he, and just kind of a spoiler alert, as he lives it out with that kind of covenantal, committed, chesed kind of love that we talked about. When you watch the king live that way, watch what happens. So let's start with the rise of a king, Second Chronicles chapter 26, verse three. Uzziah was 16 years old when he got his driver's license. That's not what it says. He was 16 years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem 52 years. That's a long time. And his mother's name was Jecolia, and she was from Jerusalem. And so we start at the point in our story where Uzziah begins to lead. I don't want to continue to stress this, but I want you to know and believe it in one way or another, even though it's a buzzword, even though there's books that's written about it, even though we try to puff ourselves up with that, in, in God's world, in God's economy, you are a leader there's some place where he's called you to influence. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10 says that he has determined good works that he decided in advance for you to do. And in that place, you're, you're called to watch his hand at work, just like Uzziah was. And so this is what happens next. Verse four of 2 Chronicles 26. Uzziah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord just as his father Amaziah had done. So the first thing that we see on kind of the rise of this leader is that he made a choice, he made a decision, if you will, to do what was right. And that's, that's key in this story. Because all of us have to do that at some point, right? We come to a crossroads and we have to decide, am I gonna do what's right or am I gonna do what's not right? And whether we realize it or not, I think we all have this inner preschooler inside of us. Have you ever seen a little kid that has something in front of them? and they know they're not supposed to take it, taste it, or touch it, but they're having a wrestling match in their soul. Do you know what I mean? You can physically watch that. Like I can, I can think back to, to a time I was just a little kid, probably three, four years old, something like that. It's actually one of my earliest memories. I can see this, this kind of yellow, golden, you know, stove that we had in our kitchen with the burner on it, electric burner, you know, and my mom saying, hey, that burner's hot, don't touch it. And she walked out of the room. And I said, she don't know what she's talking about. I want to touch it. Do you know what I'm talking about? And I stood there and had a wrestling match with myself. Do I touch it? Do I not? 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 <laughs> Guess what I did? Do you really have that much faith in me? <laughs> I touched it. I totally touched it. And I got burned. 
And we have these moments in our lives where we have to decide, <laughs> am I gonna do what's right or am I not? And when we do what's right, it literally opens up the opportunity for God to bring his blessing into our lives. Now, we'll make this a little more practical in light of how we love others, but it's just a biblical truth that takes us to what he does next. Let's go back to the Second Chronicles chapter 26. In verse five, we read that not only did he do what was right, but he sought God during the days of Zechariah who instructed him in the fear of the Lord. So this is interesting. He had a mentor in his life. He had someone he was accountable to who was instructing him and helping him. And when he was doing that, he not only did the things that were right, but in the process of that, he sought God. He, he didn't just make decisions for himself. He, he didn't just do what he thought was right. He asked himself, God, what would, what would you have for me to do? He sought wise counsel from other people who would help him from a scriptural, a biblical, a practical, a, a very personal, really accountable relationship to say, here's the right things to do. So instead of just saying in his head, I can do whatever I want to do, he said, God, I wanna do what you want for me to do, and then he did it. This is a powerful part of the truth in this dude's life. Second Chronicles 26, verse five, we read, he sought God during the days of Zechariah who instructed him in the fear of the Lord, and as long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. That's a cool story, isn't it? Because now we're getting up here in this life cycle of our boy Uzziah where we're watching God bless and prosper his life. Not because of anything that he did, but because he knew that when he would do the things that God had asked him to do, when he would be willing to surrender his life to what God had for him and for the place where he was called to lead, it was then that God was able to bring success to him that God could, could do these things. The reality is anytime you experience success, you, you have favor, God opens up doors, that there's things that move on your behalf, you realize you're really not doing it, right? That's God at work in your life. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just confess my, my nerddom to you for a moment, but I grew up in the 70s, so I am an, an OG Star Wars fan. Anybody else? Like, I just, I just go way back. I've got, I've got all the old toys that I had when I was a kid. I mean, I just, I don't know. And so the reality is, and Rhonda can attest to this, that there are times when I'm walking into the store or I'm walking into a doctor's office, hospital, something like that, that has those automatic doors that open, that I still use the force on those doors. Right, I'll just kind of walk up and I'll just kind of do one of these things, you know, and a sh you know, and I'm like, yeah, I use the force on that door. People are like, that dude needs to grow up. I feel good about it. Now, here's the reality. I know deep down inside that when I, when I waved my little Jedi hand, that that door opened, but I did not open that door. Like I did a little something, but it wasn't my force or my power that opened it. Those doors opened because of some kind of power that's greater than me. And when they opened, that's when I was able to walk through them. When I begin to think that I actually did that, that's, that's when I should be institutionalized. <laughs> but the reality is, I didn't. There was another power that opened those doors. And anytime you start to think that, that you opened the doors, that it was your strength, that it was your power that led to success, then that's, that's actually spiritual delusion on your part. <laughs> because it's God at work on your behalf. I'm not saying you didn't work hard. I'm not saying you didn't put yourself in a place for that. I'm not saying that you, you didn't have blood, sweat, and tears invested in it. I'm just telling you that every good and perfect gift comes from above. 
and your success comes from him. This was key in Uzziah's life to the point that, look at this, Second Chronicles chapter 26, um, verse eight tells us this, that the Ammonites, there's this, there's this list of all the things that Uzziah does, right? That tells us about all the buildings he built and all the wars he fought. And these foreign people, the Ammonites, brought tribute to Uzziah and his fame spread as far as the border of Egypt because he had become very, we're getting here to the top of the life cycle, he had become very powerful, Wow, God blessed him. And isn't that what we want? Not necessarily that we want power, but what that means is that as a king, he was leading with peak effectiveness. That those around him saw God's favor in his life. That, that he was prospering. That however you want to categorize it, dude was there. Whatever it is that you look at your life and go, God, this is how I would like for you to bless me. This is what Uzziah was experiencing. And we see this, here's why. Second Chronicles 26 verse 15 tells us that in Jerusalem, I love this part, this is interesting. In Jerusalem, he made devices invented for use on the towers and on the corner defenses so that soldiers could shoot arrows and hurl large stones from the walls. I'd play that video game, anybody else? But that sounds like fun. His fame spread far and wide for he was greatly helped until he became powerful. He didn't do it on his own. He wasn't opening those doors. That, that was God at work in his life. The reason he became powerful is because God greatly helped him. Maybe, maybe a good analogy is if you've ever flown like a long distance flight, maybe you've flown internationally, cross country, you, you've gone across the ocean, maybe you've had the experience that I've had where, where you, can, you can fly one way and it's longer than when you fly back and it's shorter. Like your eight hour flight might be six and a half hours when you go the other way and you go, why? Well, I got a faster pilot. No, you, you just hit the currents that were right. Like the jet stream was in your favor. Uzziah did a lot of things that were right, but at the end of the day, he was riding God's jet stream and God helped him until he got to the point that he was, he was blessed and powerful. Ideally in our lives, and power, you can, you can use whatever word you wanna use there, but what we want is God's blessing in our lives. We, we want, take it back to the language of Proverbs 20, 28, we want love and faithfulness to put us in a place where we're safe and secure, where God supports us, where he blesses us, where our lives are guarded and protected by his spirit. Isn't that what you want? And it happens through love and faithfulness, and this is where Uzziah finds himself. Now, before we take Uzziah over the hill, let's, let's stop for a minute and think about some lessons that we can learn here from, from just what we see here. He shows us when we look at this that we are to love with our hearts. I, I wanna challenge you to love with your heart. Dads especially, as you consider your life here today that you would love with your heart. What, what do you mean, Chad, when you say that? That from the very person inside of you, from who you are, uh, maybe a good question to ask is this. How do I live and love in covenant? Like in the relationships where I, where I have a, a covenantal response, See, in this relationship with God, Uzziah knew that it really wasn't about him. It was about God and what God was doing in his life to make him powerful. He didn't do it, God did it. And if that's the case, if God's the one who was blessing him, he had to make sure he kept that right in his heart and didn't start thinking that it was about him, but realized it was about God. 
But I'd say the same thing's true in every other covenantal relationship that you have. Not just your relationship with God, but in your relationship with your spouse. Who, who, do, you, who do you place first? You or, or your spouse? Is it about you or is it all about them? Like it's, it's true in how we parent. The, those kinds of attitudes actually filter into how we interact at work. They're the very things that can cause division in families and homes and jobs and churches. Like we do wise to really take a look at our hearts and say, what's really going on at the core of who I am? Because you'll, you'll start to see it play out. If this isn't right, then it starts to affect this next level. And I guess I'd encourage you that you, you love with your head. Like how you think and how you see things. Like when he was making decisions because his heart was right, Uzziah sought God. How he thought, how he saw the world, the, the, the faculties of our brain and our eyes and our minds with, with our head. That he was willing to go, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna not just put you first, but I'm gonna do what you say is best. So here's maybe a question for you. What's the best decision for those that I love? Like as you go through your life, if you're actually going to lead your family, if you're gonna live your life in a way that's filled with that covenantal love that actually leads to a safe and secure kingdom, if you will, then you have to ask the question, what's the best decision, not for me, but what's the best decision for those that I love? What's the thing that's really gonna make a difference for my kids? How do I really bless those that are around me in some way? Which then takes it to a really uh, interesting place because that's the kind of leader that Solomon is talking about in that, that Proverbs twenty twenty eight about love and faithfulness. Here's what Tim Keller says about those that are led by a godly covenantal leader, and, and we all want to be. He says that they must see that in the end, the leader, the king, if you will, would sacrifice himself for them rather than sacrifice them to save himself. Isn't that the kind of leader you're looking for? Isn't that the kind of person you wanna be? Somebody who's not gonna look for how they can sacrifice you for themselves, but rather how they're willing to sacrifice themselves to be a blessing to those they lead. Isn't that what Jesus did? It's a matter of our hearts and our heads, and then ultimately, let's, let's make it super practical, it's a matter of what we do, it's, it's, it's how we act, it's our hands. I wanna challenge you to love with your hands, with your actions, with the things that you do. Like how can you serve those that you love? How can you invest in their lives? Dads, this is a really interesting thought. Like, I hope that today on Father's Day, I hope this weekend, like, somebody makes it about you. Like, I hope you get celebrated. Because dads, it's a, grandfathers, it's a very unique role. I woke up this morning. I was the only person awake in my house. First one to get up, get ready. I stumbled into the bathroom. And there, Rhonda had waiting for me this bag with a big old pack of gummy bears because that woman loves me. She knows a way to my heart <laughs> and my stomach. I hope you're celebrated, but I hope in all that celebration, you also ask yourself the question, how do I serve those that I love? Because that's the role of the king, not to receive love and faithfulness, but to give love and faithfulness. 
that we would show that because that's when a kingdom is made secure. These, these things about heart, head, and hands, they're true about our relationship with God. They're true about how we live out and work. They're true about our ministry because all of us have been called to serve God in one way or another. They're certainly true about our family. They're definitely true about our spouses. And if we don't pay attention to these things, if we're not mindful of these things, then I, I would just propose to you that if you're not mindful of these things, then there's a real good chance that you start going down the other side. So we've talked about the rise of a king. Let's talk about the fall of a king. Because Uzziah's story so interestingly shows us both. Look at this, 2 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 15. We already read this. His fame spread far and wide, for he was greatly helped until he became powerful. But after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. At some point, he checked out on this idea of love and faithfulness. And when he did, it led to his downfall. Kind of the bottom of this life cycle. So what were the steps that are good for you and I to see, to know, be aware of, and avoid so that we don't find ourselves in the same spot Uzziah did. Well, the first one's already been mentioned. When he got powerful, he got filled with pride, and it was his pride that led to his downfall. Let's just be honest, it can happen to any of us when we start to believe that somehow it's all about us. When we start to think that our success what we look at in our hearts is somehow not about what God has done for us, but somehow about who we are, what we can do, what we've done, that somehow it's all about us. Can I tell you, God wants to bring his blessing into your lives, but if you wanna turn off the faucet of God's blessing, step one is to become prideful. Because it says that his downfall started, he lost his powerfulness when he started to be prideful. We're, we're in uh, like gardening flower season in this part of the world. So there's probably some of us who on a daily basis or so have to go out and water our plants in one way or another. Anybody, you got that, you got that job, you're dragging the hose all over the yard, you're making sure everything happens, and you're out there and, and you're doing it. We've, we've had hot days. If you haven't planned for it, do it this week or you'll be a failure. I'm just gonna tell you that, right? So get ready, and here's what's gonna happen. You're gonna go out there, and you're gonna be dragging that hose, and at some point, you're gonna be watering the garden, you're gonna be watering the, the plants, the flowers, and all of a sudden, the water's gonna dry up, and you're gonna go, oh, what happened? And you're gonna turn around, and there's gonna be a kink in the hose. Do you know what I'm talking about? So you gotta walk back, you gotta move it. I, I'm too stubborn to move, so I try turning the hose, you know, kind of thing. Why? Because something has stopped up that flow of life that was coming. And that's pride in our lives so many times. Because we, we start to think that it's us, that we're the one doing it. And we, we block up God's blessing in our lives. And sometimes we don't see it until it's far too late because we're still living off the momentum of this that we fail to see that prides come in and we start to think in our hearts that it's us instead of him. And what happens next is really quite frightening. Let's, let's go back to the story. Second Chronicles 26, verse 16 after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall, and he was unfaithful. Let, let's just write that, because that's, that's key right here. We'll, we'll come in and talk about this a little bit more and what that means, but, but consider that. That's kind of the next step. He was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Now, you might look at that and go, well, what's the big deal? Like, 
Like, what matters if he did that? I like candles. But he shouldn't have done that. It wasn't his role. He was stepping into a place that God had not called. He was unfaithful to the things that God had called him to. And here's what happened next because of that unfaithfulness. Verse 17, Azariah the priest with 80 other courageous priests, so this was a big deal, of the Lord followed Uzziah in. They confronted King Uzziah and said, it's not right for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord. That's for the priests, the descendants of Aaron who have been consecrated to burn incense. They're saying, look, not only is that not your job, God doesn't want you to do that. Leave the sanctuary for you have been unfaithful and you will not be honored by the Lord God. What he did here, which is really interesting, is he went from being someone who led with love and faithfulness to someone who in a big way entered into a spot of unfaithfulness in his life. Well, what do you mean by unfaithfulness? Well, it was an act of deliberate sin, but if you break it down, it was really just him being kind of selfish. I'm saying, I'm gonna do what I wanna do. He used his power to get what he wanted. Actually, it was, it was kind of an expression of arrogance. And it was an opportunity for him to kind of, in a very unique way, just say, hey, I'm not content with where God has me right now, so I'm gonna just do what I wanna do. And it can be easy for us to maybe get real critical of Uzziah when we think about the fact that in his head, he stopped asking God what God wanted and just started asking Uzziah what Uzziah wanted. And I could get real judgy about Uzziah until I stop and think the fact that there's, there's probably nobody in this room who's never done anything out of your selfish arrogance, am I right? <laughs> so the reality is this kind of hits close to home. And then watch what happens next. Second Chronicles 26, verse 19. Uzziah, who had a censer in his hand ready to burn incense. I can just see him. He's ready. He's gonna light that thing and the priest come in and he's like, don't take another step. I'll do it. He became angry. And while he was raging at the priests in their presence before the incense altar in the Lord's temple, leprosy broke out on his forehead. Do you ever remember that morning you looked in the mirror in middle school and leprosy had broken out on your forehead? <laughs> that wasn't leprosy. That was acne. It's different. This is bad. This isn't going away. Little sea breeze ain't clearing that up. What happens is you can watch this. Is sea breeze even still a thing? Or did I just... When I said it, could you smell it? Yeah, 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 that's so gross. Um, we'll return now to our regular scheduled program. Here, we'll come over here, look at this. Anger comes into his life. Anger's such an interesting thing because basically what it means is because he got so full of himself and decided with a selfish arrogance really that he'll do whatever he wants to do. Instead of putting that covenantal relationship ahead of himself, he chose to do in unfaithfulness whatever he kind of wanted to do. It led him to a point where his emotional response was literally out of control. And watch what the anger does to his life. Second Chronicles 26 verse 20. When Azariah the chief priest and all the other priests looked at him, they saw that he had leprosy on his forehead. So they hurried him out. Indeed, he himself was eager to leave because the Lord had afflicted him. King Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died. He lived in a separate house, leprous, and banned from the temple of the Lord. 
Jotham, his son, had charge of the palace and government, the people of the land. And he goes on to tell us in verse 23 that Uzziah rested with his ancestors, that means he passed away, and was buried near them in a cemetery that belonged to the kings. For people said he had leprosy. It almost sounds like that's what ended up on his tombstone, doesn't it? Do you know what they call it when there's a typo on a tombstone? That's a grave mistake. (laughs) Happy Father's Day, you're welcome. (laughs) You can use that one later, right? You can use that one later. Buried him near the cemetery that belonged to the kings for people said he had leprosy and Jotham his son succeeded him as king. Anger in and of itself is a really dangerous thing. Did you see what happened to our friend Uzziah? It affected his physical health. It separated him from the people and the places that he loved. And ultimately it defined his legacy. When this kind of emotional response, this defensiveness, that's fed by our own selfishness and pride gets moving in our lives, if we're not careful, it'll lead to our downfall. Happy Father's Day. (laughs) But I want you to hear this. Because I want your kingdom to be safe and secure. I want you to live your life in a way so that when you live with love and faithfulness, they stand outside the door of your house. And they protect you. And they allow God's blessings to flow into your life. Spoiler alert, in just a moment, I'm gonna ask you to look at that chart and see where you are because it matters. Because I want God's blessing to come into your life. I want you to live like a king. So before we're done, let me give you just five observations from this story, from this idea of love and faithfulness, how we can live like a king and queen to see God's blessing in our lives. Here's the first thing that this story tells me. Just because you start well, it does not mean you will finish well. And for some of us that maybe are in a season of life where maybe we see more miles behind us than ahead of us, if you will, it's really important for us to say, I don't want to just say I had a good run. I wanna know I'm gonna hear well done, good and faithful servant. And I wanna finish even better than I started. Which, which leads to this thought that I think is really important. When God helps you to be powerful, it is for his purposes and not your own. See, at some point, Uzziah started to think that this whole idea about being powerful was all about him. But when God blesses you, it just the word powerful is there because it applies to a king. Let's just call it his blessing. Let's call it his favor. Remember that when God gives you his favor, when he gives you his blessing, it's for God's purposes, not yours because he wants to work something out through you in your life, he wants to use you. And can I tell you, I've seen this in the lives of my friends over and over again, that when you allow him to bring blessing into your life for his purposes, then he can continually entrust you with more blessings. Not just financial, but he's there and he brings favor and he brings his power to your life. Let me give you a third thing to consider. It's wise to search your heart, head, and hands. Like as you look at your own life, as you wanna lead your own family, your own home, as you're looking for God's blessing in in your job, in your ministry, in the places where you're asking him to be at work, 
It's wise for us to step back sometimes and say, God, what's the state of my heart? Like, honestly, do I recognize that I'm not the one who's opening the doors? It's you. And have I started to think that somehow it's all about me? Because somehow I I need to take a good look. The, The psalmist says, search my heart, God. Because what's in the state of my heart then is, is gonna affect your head as well and how you think. Who, who's been the major source of the decisions that you've been making lately in your life? H- has it been what God would say, what his word, may, maybe trusted advisors in your heart? Or have you just kind of said, and I don't, I don't mean to be mean-spirited, but if you looked at it under a microscope, you'd see little germs of selfishness and arrogance. Where inside you'd say, you know, I've just kind of been doing what I want to do. Haven't really been asking God much at all. Because that tells us a little bit what's going on in our heads. And then ultimately, how's it being lived out with your hands? Like, like what would your family say? Is it more righteousness in your life? Or has it been more defensiveness and anger lately? Like, what have your responses been Because what's happening with your hands, how you live, what you do, says an awful lot about what's going on in your head and in your heart. Uzziah gives us a a powerful picture to consider of what can happen if we do and if we don't live with love and faithfulness. So, So what happens then if you look at this chart and you see yourself over here I just encourage you, when you see signs of downfall, go back to where you started. Like if you're looking at your life and you're going, man, I have made it about me lately, then maybe it's time to say, God, thank you for what you've done in my life. That a heart of gratitude and thankfulness, the difference that it will make. If you've seen some selfishness, some arrogance, some, some bitterness, some, some kind of lack of contentment that's been taking over your heart in many ways, maybe it's time to say, God, what do you really want for me? If you don't like what your emotional responses have been, maybe it's a time to say, God, will you, will you help me with these things? So let, let's, let's pause for, for just a minute. Take, take a look at the chart. Where would you put yourself? I'm, a, I'm, I'm in a pretty good place, Chad. Is it time for lunch? No, really, take another look there. And don't just ask yourself, where would you be? But I'd ask yourself, in the different covenant relationships in your life, God, family, marriage, church, friends, wherever it is that God has called you to express love and faithfulness, where where would you put yourself? Because you, you could be in a really healthy place in one part of your life and just totally denying that God's at work in another. So so where would you put yourself as you consider these things? Maybe even ask yourself, what what would other people say? Where would they put you? Not because I want this to be a downer, but because I want you to steer clear of a downfall and say, God, would you help me to see as a queen and a king how to lead with love and faithfulness? One last observation, and this one's super important. Remember that in the end, it always all is about King Jesus. Remember that in the end, it is always all about the one who is the king of kings. Well, why are we even talking about this family tree thing? 
Because the very reason that that list is in Matthew chapter one, the very reason that Matthew lists 15 kings is because he wants you to see that Jesus is the king of kings. And if I'm trying to do this on my own, I am only going to mess it up. At the end of the day, the only way I am ever gonna know life and favor and God's blessing and success is if I focus on what Jesus did for me on the cross. Because ultimately, I can't conjure up love and faithfulness on my own. Didn't he, didn't he ultimately demonstrate it for us? If you wanna look at love and faithfulness, isn't that what God did in his covenant relationship? How while we were still sinners, Christ died for us? That he gave his life, that he died on the cross so that I could know forgiveness. Anybody else need forgiveness? And then he rose again so I could know life and purpose? Like that's what it's all about. And if I try to do this on my own, I'm only gonna stumble and fail. Ultimately, it is about his love, knowing it, seeing it, receiving it, living in it. That's the only way my kingdom, your life, your home, your family will stay safe and secure is because he is a God of love and faithfulness. And, and let's just be honest for a minute, especially some of the dads, the whole reason we struggle in some of these things is because we've never fully understood his love and, and faithfulness in our lives. The, the reason why some of us are not living like a king, why we struggle to love our wives or our family, why we can't seem to find success, or maybe even why we're facing a downfall, is because we have forgotten just how much God loves us. And every time we look at it, we think we have to be the one who does it, or we've messed up too much, or we could never make this thing right, or we already missed our chance, or God's not really there, or we just, Sometimes just don't even talk to him at all because we totally forget somewhere Uzziah completely forgot that this was all about the God that loved him so much and it's his love that keeps us safe and secure. It's his love that can change your marriage. It's his love that can bring deliverance. It's his love that can change your life but you have to be willing to say, Jesus, be the king of my life and believe that he loves you that much. I was, I was thinking about Father's Day and just kind of being a dad. And I remember being a young dad. We were, we were on staff at a church in Milwaukee and uh, we, hadn't, we hadn't been there a year or so, I suppose. And... Uh, I was, a, I was a brand new dad. I suppose Clayton was probably about six months old, something like that. He was, he was, he was, he was just old enough to, to be rude, but, um, <laughs> but too little to do anything for himself. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and, you know, I was, this is my first kind of big boy, full-time church job, and so I had, a, I had a day off. They gave me a day off each week, and that day off was my day off. Like, I just, I just, I thought that was a big deal. I got a day off. I'm gonna do what I wanna do because it is my day off and I enjoyed my day off. And then he showed up. And all of a sudden, my day off wasn't about me anymore because it was, the, the, there's this person that has come into my life that just screams at me, makes a mess and thinks that we'll clean it up and was extremely demanding. 
right? On my day off. I even told him, it's my day off. He didn't care. He didn't care at all. And I remember, I think Rhonda had gone to the store and against her better judgment, just left me alone at home with Clayton. And he went through this season. Did any of your kids go through this season where the only time they would ever be content was if you were holding them and walking? You'd like a sensor in your pants that as soon as you sat down, they would cry kind of thing. And I can remember, I'm just walking and walking. He went through what, seven, eight years like that? I think it was a long time. Just kind of walking and walking. And I remember, and he just, the only time he would settle and he'd, he'd kind of fall asleep and I'd be like, oh good, I can sit down. You know, and you're back up. And I can remember, I'd, I'd, we'd lived in this little apartment, and I remember I'd done enough laps through the, the, you know, you hit the hallway, back down to the kitchen, do the figure eight through the living room, you know, you're just doing that kind of thing. Finally, I'd, I did a pit stop into the, the, the bathroom, and I'm standing in there just kind of bouncing him, you know, and, and we're looking, and, and, I, and I looked into the mirror, and when I looked into the mirror, he looked into the mirror, and all of a sudden, I just, I was like, I love this kid. <laughs> like, I, I don't care that you scream this much. I don't care that you just made a mess because your mom will be home soon. She'll take care of it. And I don't care that you are so demanding. Like you literally stink. (laughs) But I love you. And it's not about my day off. I'd actually do anything for you. And I remember standing there in that moment and having this weird emotional feeling that this kid had never had before. And literally, sensing the voice of the Holy Spirit in the back of my head go, Chad, that's how much I love you. I don't care how much you mess up. I don't care how much you stink. (laughs) I died for you. I love you more than you can imagine. And some of you have been focused so much on what's not right in your life that today you need to let a God of love and faithfulness speak into your heart and tell you that in a covenant that he does not intend to break, promise that he intends, you might've had a dad who didn't keep their promises. Today might be a day that's more filled with grief and pain than, than love and faithfulness. But there is a heavenly father who loves you so much more than you can imagine. And today he wants to change your life. So would you bow your heads with me? Close your eyes for just a moment. And I wanna pray for three groups of people. And first, I wanna pray for those of you who would say, Chad, I don't know that love at all. But I know I can't do it on my own anymore. And I've tried doing it by myself. And today what I need is a God who loves me to pour that love out into my life. Jesus who died to be your savior can bring you forgiveness. And Jesus who rose again can give your life purpose and meaning. And the scripture says that if you'll call on the name of the Lord, if you just say, Jesus, I give you my life, that he can make a difference. He can change your life. He can bring freedom and he can bring you eternal life. So if you'd say today, God, I can't do it on my own. I, I give you my life today. If that's you, you're in this room, auditorium too, you're watching on screen somewhere, would you just raise your hand? You can raise it, put it up, put it right back down. You just say, I can't do it on my own anymore. God, I need you. I need your forgiveness. I need your life. Yeah, thanks, thanks. Anybody else? Thank you. Here's a second group that I, I wanna pray for here in just a moment. And I'm not gonna ask you to raise a hand or stand or shout out or do nothing. 
But if you would say, I need God's love in my life. I've let everything else tell me what's wrong with me and how I'm not loved. And today from a covenant keeping God who wants to keep me safe and secure, today I need to receive his love. If that's you, I'd just, just right where you are, would you just open up your heart to let God pour out his forgiveness and his grace and your love in your life. And Father, we come to you today First, God, I pray with the ones who would say that they need Jesus today. Lord, would you bring forgiveness as they look to you? God, would you, would you fill them with a life and a peace like they've never known before? Maybe for the first time, maybe they're coming back to you. And, and Lord, would you even right now in this moment, just give them a sense that you're bringing a newness, a freshness to their lives. And God, I pray with the one who inside, because of who they are, what's been done to them, the things that, that they've done, they, they just don't feel loved. They don't know what it's like to experience today your love and faithfulness. God, would you pour that out in their hearts so that they would be ready to be a channel through which your love and faithfulness could flow, not just to them, but through them to their family to their friends. And third, Lord, I pray for dads today, for fathers and grandfathers and those who will soon be fathers. Lord, and all the challenges that we've mentioned today, things we've talked about, the difficulties that come with the role, God, we thank you for the opportunity, the privilege of leading. And like kings in a kingdom, may we lead with love and faithfulness May we know your safety, your security, your support, your blessing. God, would you guard us? Would you help us to stand with courage, to lead with love, and Lord, to be used by you to be a blessing to our spouses, to our children, and to the world around us. God, thanks for your word. Thanks for how it speaks to us. Lord, I ask that you would help us to live in it. God, that with, with love and faithfulness, we would see your favor, success, and blessing in our lives. Lord, as we go from here, would you go with us? Send us out with your special favor and with your wonderful peace. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you'd like somebody to pray with you today, we have some friends who'll be over here on the side that would love the opportunity to just pray with you, believe with you today. Thanks for being here. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.